his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Of all the descriptions I've heard this week about the events at the U.S. Capitol, this one from California Congresswoman Maxine Waters seems to fit the bill perfectly. It's not only unbelievable, it is painful. It was also historic. Uh, the only time that the Capitol has been attacked uh, and, and taken over uh, was in the War of 1812 when the British did in 1814. In that breach, in August of 1814, the Capitol building set afire by British forces almost burned to the ground. Only a torrential rainstorm saved it. History serves a valuable lesson. Buildings are not indestructible, and the ruin left behind can take years to rebuild. This week on 880 In-Depth, Healing a Divided America. I'm Tim Sheld from WCBS News Radio 880, and America watched in horror this week as a sad new chapter in American history was written. This is a CBS News special report. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We are coming on the air right now with breaking news because the U.S. Capitol has been placed on lockdown as angry protesters surround the building. We should note that the House and Senate have halted debate on objections to the Electoral College vote, and they have gone into recess. Senior members, including the Vice President Mike Pence, have been rushed from the floor, and you're looking at them now. Extraordinary images of tens of thousands of pro-Trump supporters, all encouraged by the President, who uh, said he will not concede, he will not accept defeat, and now have protesters have marched from just outside the White House down Pennsylvania Avenue and have charged what you're looking at now is the east front of the Capitol. Um, There are reports that there are protesters inside the Capitol uh, building. You know the rest. There are so many angles of this story to investigate in the coming days and weeks, but we wanted to dig into the historical precedent. For that, Our Peter Haskell got on the phone Thursday with Julian Zelizer, a professor of history and public affairs at Princeton University. We saw what happened at the Capitol. Is there any kind of a historical precedent for what happened there? There's really not. Uh, The only time that the Capitol has been attacked uh, and and taken over uh, was in the War of 1812 when the British did in 1814. 
Uh, there's been moments of violence in the capital, um, such as in 1954, uh, when uh, Puerto Rican nationalists uh, shot at members, and in 1998 there was another uh, incident. But this is a wholly different issue. This is about uh, a mob uh, instigated and incited by the president and many Republicans storming Congress and trying to stop the constitutional process of finishing a presidential election. And this is something we have never seen. Just joining us live coverage here on WCBS 880 of Mayhem at the U.S. Capitol, where the House and Senate were debating the first Republican challenge to the Electoral College count when uh, pro-Trump protesters stormed the Capitol, actually walked up the stairs and got inside the building. The uh, Capitol had been locked down, but a lot of the protesters got inside anyway. We've seen them on live feeds walking through the rotunda. A lot of them are on the steps that have been set up for the media for the inauguration of President-elect Biden in a couple of weeks. The Capitol Police there, we do see some sort of uh, gas, likely tear gas, being fired on some of the protesters. You talk about the War of 1812. You didn't mention the Civil War. And there are these striking images of these rioters with Confederate flags in the Capitol. What was going on during the Civil War that this didn't happen then? Well, the Civil War was obviously worse at a broader level. It was a total breakdown of the country and full warfare, uh, military warfare among uh, citizens. Uh, but the Capitol itself uh, was protected. Uh, there was, there was uh, no successful infiltration of the Capitol as we saw last night. Uh, so that was in some ways the first time that Confederate flag was really being waved inside the halls. Obviously, there's been Confederate soldiers and the monuments uh, that are put there. Uh, but some have pointed out that this achieved something the Civil War didn't achieve. Is, is there a way to just put that into context, that how stark that was? Yeah, it was very, I mean, watching it as a historian uh, and and being someone who constantly can think of comparisons and, uh, you know, quickly tell you other moments when things have been bad, it was still both shocking and horrifying. And uh, there was the one story of just a mob going in and, uh, you know, running all around and creating havoc in the Capitol. Uh, and at the same time having members of Congress literally hiding, barricading themselves, uh, fearing what was going to happen to them. But there's the other story that it wasn't just some random uh, mob. It was pro-Trump supporters after a month-long campaign uh, by the president and by many Republicans to argue that this was a fraudulent election. And the morning of, there were speeches by the president and by Rudy Giuliani uh, kind of lending support to what the ralliers were there for and salutes from people like Senator Hawley going into the Capitol. So I think that combination, a uh, presidential party-led moment, is what really uh, is just quite stunning and disturbing to watch. And, and we don't know if there'll be anyone held accountable for what happened yesterday. So how did we get here? Zelizer, author of 19 books on history, including one called Burning Down the House, The Rise of the New Republican Party, points to Donald Trump and his damaging rhetoric. Here's Peter Haskell. 
for months and, and in some cases years, there have talked about how President Trump poses a threat to democracy, and others have suggested it was hyperbole. Did we legitimately see a threat to our democracy, and is there still a threat? This is a, it, it's, it's not even a symbolic threat. Yesterday was an actual threat. Uh, and, and you saw it play out in, in real time. And, and this was a group of people trying to stop the democratic process. So there's, there's no threat as direct as that. Uh, and I think then you step back and you can see the ways in which, uh, this presidency for sure has helped to erode certain norms and guardrails that we depend on. Uh, so, so this doesn't happen. And, and when you don't have those, and there's no real punitive response to this, you leave the democracy much weaker. And um, the whole premise of yesterday is based on false, just totally false information, a, a alternative reality of what happened in the election. And I think part of the reason people feel our democracy is so weakened is that you have an information world uh, that is believed where falsehood can quickly gain hold on how people understand what's happening around them. So it's hard to not see the damage that the president and his party have done after the events that transpired yesterday. How do you see this going forward then? How does the nation heal? Can the nation heal? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there's just one question of what happens in the next few days, meaning uh, now there's literally discussions of can we survive from now until inauguration uh, with the president having such immense power? Is he stable? What happens? How do we hold him responsible? And then there's the bigger question of, of the divisions. It's not easy to heal. I, I mean, I don't think come February 2021, all of a sudden that the anger that is now out front and which you saw yesterday can quickly be contained. It's very much at the heart, uh, I think, of Republican politics right now. And I, I don't have an answer. It's going to take a lot of work uh, from a very small group of Republican leaders who have not associated themselves with this direction of the GOP. But right now they're outnumbered. And I don't think this is going away anytime soon. We hear talk about the 25th Amendment. If you could educate us about that. Yeah, I mean, this is something, this is a, uh, an amendment that was put into place really primarily for uh, a situation where uh, the president is incapacitated physically, but most experts agree it also covers what happens if a president is not mentally capable of doing, uh, doing the job. Um, and, and we've had this since the 1960s, and... Um, and the process would require the vice president to get support from half of the cabinet uh, or some body designed by Congress, which is a kind of vague way uh, to determine what that is. And they send a letter to Congress saying that the president of the United States can't do this job and the vice president would become the president. Uh, president Trump could challenge that by sending his own letter to Congress and a supermajority would have to make the decision. Um, of, of whether to overturn the president's staying in office. It's, it's a quick process. It could happen very quickly. That's the point of it. But it's difficult. It would require uh, a large part of President Trump's cabinet right now, which is incredibly loyal to him, 
to do something quite dramatic and, and make this statement that he should no longer serve. He can't have the tools of power anymore. And it would require, assuming he would challenge it, a large number of congressional Republicans to agree. And uh, I think it's on the table. I think it's really being discussed for the first time in a serious way. I just don't know if the support is there for it to actually happen. It certainly seems like a, a radical approach. In, in your mind, is it appropriate at this point? I think it is. I mean, I, I don't think after what happened yesterday, it's too far-fetched to say uh, we have a high degree of instability in the Oval Office right now, and, and this is dangerous. Uh, and we're starting to learn bits and pieces of what happened yesterday and, uh, for example, why it took so long for the president to respond, not just with some kind of message, but in terms of getting the protection that was needed. And there was delay. Uh, there's some stories that Vice President Pence in the end had to do it on his own. And if we're in a situation like that where the president is, is pretty out of control and no one can control him, and he's willing to do things as extreme as everything that unfolded yesterday, I think it's fair to at least put this on the table. Um, this is, you know, this is the kind of situation it's made for. Through the past four years, there's this, it seems like this gradual uh, normalizing or numbness to what has happened and what the president has done. Give us your take. How has this evolved over the past four years or more? It's gotten worse. I think uh, he is someone who, what he has shown um, is A, how strong uh, partisanship is within the GOP, meaning ultimately the party is remarkably loyal, both legislators and members to the party line. And what that meant was that President Trump could pretty much do whatever he wanted. He could use his power in almost any way. He could say whatever he wanted. And Trump's realization was no one was going to do anything to him. The Republicans were not going to back away from him. And, and that bet proved right. And he's also shown that a lot of the presidency relies on informal norms that aren't actually written into the Constitution. We depend on the person who we elect simply not going uh, too far. Uh, they, we know presidents make huge mistakes. They can be incredibly partisan. But there's still some norms that we have just depended on in terms of how authority is used. And what he is showing, he's exposed that if someone's willing not to follow this, it's not clear what happens after that. And it's not clear that there's actually mechanisms of accountability that will fall into place. Uh, and all of this has just uh, eroded some of our sense of what a president can't do. And I do think it's numbed us a bit uh, to something like happened yesterday. People are shocked. They watched on television or listened on the radio. Uh, but I could imagine people just say, well, I guess that's, that's what happens now. Uh, and in two weeks, we're on to the next story. The president has disparaged and denigrated the military, the FBI, the CIA, election apparatus, all different aspects of the government, the, you know, science, etc. What What kind of damage does this do to the institutions and and? Is it permanent, or how long will it take to overcome this? 
smile. I mean, I think uh, some of the anger that he fuels it was already there. I, I don't think he's inventing it all. I think he plays to it. And so by playing to it as the president of the United States, he gives it legitimacy, and he gives it the kind of foundation that it otherwise wouldn't have. And as we saw yesterday, his supporters, and, and his supporters are numerous. We're not talking about handfuls of people. He had over 70 million votes. Uh, really believe everything he says, uh, and and they believe it at a very deep level. If you watch and listen to some of the protesters yesterday, uh, or you know whatever you want to call the group, they were simply mimicking everything he said about how the election worked and, and his allegations of how it was fraudulent. And so, it's hard to undo that. I think for for Trump supporters, uh, they believe the president's narrative about what has happened. And their anger will not diminish anytime soon, uh, nor will uh, the worldview that's been shaped by the last four years. I suspect this speaks volumes about the impact of words, and we hear words matter, and clearly they do. They really do. Uh, Political rhetoric uh, from leaders is incredibly important. It's one of the biggest tools that politicians have, both to inspire voters and also to attack their opponents. And I think uh, President Trump has really relied on rhetoric uh, as a chief weapon, and he's unleashed an arsenal of rhetorical attacks that other presidents would not have been willing to do. Um, and, And I think it's not simply that the attacks sting when he goes after government institutions or military officials or Democrats or the media, um, but he's also, again, lowered the bar in terms of what you can do. And he's now brought us into an era where for politicians, uh, you can use this kind of toxic rhetoric, and uh, it's not clear there'll be any serious pushback for doing so. As an historian, you look back. I want you to look forward. How will history look back on January 6th, 2021? I think historians generally will look back at this as a culmination of a very turbulent, unstable, uh, and contentious period. I I don't think they will see this as an isolated event. I think they're not only going to see the roots in the Trump presidency that have been taking form for a while, they're going to be more cognizant of changes in the Republican Party that have been taking place since the 1980s which created this atmosphere, as well as changes in in our broader political world, such as the evolution of social media uh, and partisan journalism that were essential to Trump's success. I think those are the kinds of ways in which this moment will uh, be looked at, but it will be looked at with sadness. I, I don't think this will ever be a moment in American history that is celebrated uh, as having any kind of virtue. You've written a book called Burning Down the House. It's not about literally burning down the house. Tell us about what the book is about and how it plays into this week's attack. Yeah, I didn't think it would be a literal description of current events, but it's a book about Newt Gingrich when he came to Congress in the 1980s before he was Speaker and how he introduced to the Republican Party this kind of smash mouth, no guardrails partisanship where Republicans, he argued, had to be willing to do whatever was necessary to obtain power uh, and to not be so concerned with 
whether we would be able to govern as a nation, whether our institutions would be healthy, partisanship above anything else. And, and the book recounts a, a story where he brings down the Speaker of the House and he's brought into the leadership of the Republican Party. So his ideas become the norm for the GOP. And, and even though the book was written before President Trump, really, uh, it ended up offering how the party ended up on the road to where it is today. And you could see a lot of Gingrich in President Trump from his willingness to use very toxic rhetoric to his not really caring about the health of our governing institutions, uh, to his reliance on the media as a way to constantly promote his message and go after his opponent. So the argument is this is a really deeply rooted change we've seen, and President Trump is the product, not the cause, of the kind of uh, partisanship that he has uh, promoted so aggressively. raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear. I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute. As the Trump presidency is now coming to an end, there may be value in remembering how it began four years ago. On the steps of the U.S. Capitol, the West Face, where his supporters this week gathered by the hundreds celebrating their assault on democracy. January 20th, 2017, will be remembered as the day the people became the rulers of this nation again. This is Donald Trump in January 2017. Mothers and children trapped in poverty in our inner cities, rusted out factories scattered like tombstones across the landscape of our nation, an education system flush with cash, but which leaves our young and beautiful students deprived of all knowledge, and the crime, and the gangs, and the drugs that have stolen too many lives and robbed our country of so much unrealized potential. This American carnage stops right here and stops right now. Four years later, there is still real carnage in America, much of it caused by the pandemic. Too many Americans suffering in poverty, in joblessness, with subpar education and a rise in crime and lawlessness that has affected communities of color more than any other. It may not be the carnage Trump was talking about when he arrived, but it indeed is the American carnage that exists as he leaves. In Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. Peter Haskell and myself are the executive producers. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for 880 In-Depth and be safe. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. 
Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.